You're listening to My White Belt, the best jujitsu podcast in the world. Enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of My White Belt. I am your host, Jim Trick. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're back. This week's episode was supposed to be last week's episode. There was a technical snafu. I will tell you about it in a little while. I hope that training is going well for you. I have had a really tricky couple of weeks. And that is to say, um, sometimes, well, here's a quick, I guess this is, this is what I would have to say about my last couple of weeks. I, I would begin with a question. What is basic jujitsu? What is basic jujitsu? And the, 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 the saying that goes around is that Advanced jiu-jitsu is basic jiu-jitsu done over and over and over and over again. And I think that's true. I mean, who am I to argue? Who am I to argue with black belts? Who am I to argue with people who have been at this for a lot a lot longer than I have been? But the point gets proven when I get stuck. When I get stuck in a position that I I don't think I should get stuck in, and I can't get out of it, and then I wind up tapping in a position that I wouldn't, that I just wouldn't, I'm, I can feel a mix of things. A, I know what I need to work on, but B, I'm also realistically disappointed in myself and very frustrated. So just so you know, if you're listening to this and you're a frustrated white belt, I'm a frustrated purple belt. I'm a frustrated purple belt with a couple stripes on my belt. So the last couple of weeks uh, have been... Me, really just trying to work some basics, some basics, some fundamentals, um, getting stuck inside control with a couple of my training partners. Alex, you know who you are. Um, we, call, we call him Russian Alex. And Russian Alex is this guy, he's like 36 years old. He's in incredible shape. He's been training about a year. He just got his blue belt. He is... He's a nightmare, and he has the best attitude. He smiles all the time. At the end of every class, he says, I love you guys. I love this place. I can't believe we get to do this. I love this. And I got to tell you, when Alex first started training at First Colony, he was a nightmare, and I had to talk to him like a couple of times because he didn't know what he didn't know, and he was really excited and really enthusiastic and just you know, doing all the things. And this is an example of a guy who like completely dialed it in, rolled it back, pays attention, and has gotten great. So, so the last couple of weeks, I've just been like struggling under his side control while my coach, while Liam McGowan watches and coaches and yells and says, you know, put your forehead on the mat, put your forehead on the mat. <laughs> you know, all these different, all these different things that, you know, he knows what he means. I should know what he means by now, but it's been, um, it has just been a, a really frustrating couple of weeks in, in this one, in that one regard. And, you know, listen, here's the thing. When I say that it's frustrating, I, I'm not really complaining, and here's why. I, I know that I'm not quitting. I know that I'm not giving up, so I know that what is on the other side of this frustration is me getting better. 
That is what's on the, listen, that's what's, that is what is on the other side of my frustration. Now, I don't know what's on the other side of your frustration. On the other side of your frustration, there might be a big cavernous hole. There might be a void. There might be a black hole. Because on the other side of your frustration, you might quit. You might just give up. So I'm here to say that I know what's on the other side of my frustration. The thing that's on the other side of Jim Trick's frustration is I know that I'm going to get better at jiu-jitsu. I know I'm going to get better at escaping side control. Uh, it's a tough position to be in. I'm working I'm working with Liam. I'm working with our crew to um, to just sharpen up, to just sharpen up, just to get better. And that doesn't mean that I can't, listen, I'm not going to like, now I'm not going to try to backpedal. Bottom line is it's been frustrating. I'm excited to get better. And I'm thankful for the people that I have been working with. I'm also thankful to be working with Origin. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, this is going to sound like I'm going to be so advertisy right now. You know the deal. Go to originmain.com. Use the discount code TRICK10. Buy yourself a gi. Buy yourself a pair of jeans. But I have to tell you that before I hit record on this week's episode, my new Origin American Bison boots just arrived. I just put them on. I'm sitting here wearing them. They are made in Maine out of American bisons. They are handmade. They come in an extraordinarily wide array of sizes. I have duck feet. I was a big fat guy for a long time, and I flattened out my feet, and my feet literally, they could use my feet to model clown shoes. That's how wide my feet are. And I am wearing a pair of Origin boots right now that I've been wearing for 20 minutes that I feel like I've had for 20 years, and my feet feel great in them. So this episode and this show is brought to you in a partnership with Origin Maine and Jocko Fuel. Go to originmain.com. Get all the things. Use discount code TRICK10. I am excited to be partnered with them, and I have some really cool origin announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. No, not more ads that you have to wade through at the front end of the episode, but some just some really, really cool stuff that we're going to be uh, doing I say we, that I'm going to be doing, that my white belt is going to be doing with Origin Maine. So that's that. And now let's get on to, let's just get on to the fact that there are some things that have come along with being the host of the My White Belt show that I never, ever, ever could have imagined when I started jujitsu, when I was... You know, when you when you first get in and you're like Googling everything and you want to know who's this person, who's that person, what are these people about? What am I supposed to know? Where did this whole thing come from? Well, our guest today knows where he knows where jujitsu came from. Uh, he knows where jujitsu came from firsthand. Our our guest today is Master Carlos Machado. He is an eight an eighth degree red and white belt, cor we would say coral belt. So it goes, you, you know, you know the you know the progression, you know the you know the initial progression of white, blue, purple, brown, black, and then it goes to 
what we call a, a red and black coral belt. And then it goes to a red and white coral belt. And, you know, at, at coral belt, at either of the coral belts, you are given the term master. And then at red belt, you you are given the, the title grandmaster. So master Carlos Machado is our guest today. I kind of can't believe it. You've all heard of the Machado brothers. Uh, the, the resume is 8,000 miles long. Listen, here's the thing. The Machado brothers' impact on our beloved jiu-jitsu is profound. And it's profound even if you don't factor in the if you even if you don't factor in that they're the ones that Chuck Norris trained under. Uh, even if you even if you don't factor in that it's who Keanu Reeves and Ashton Kutcher and like all the famous people, even if you don't factor in all of the famous celebrity cool people that have trained on the, under the Machado brothers, the impact of this family of these of these men on our beloved sport, uh, martial art activity, combat sport, whatever you whatever however you hold jujitsu, their impact has been profound. And the fact that uh, Master Carlos Machado was willing to come on. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for me. I, and I'm trying to, as I work to get better as an interviewer, I am I'm doing my work to learn how to, to not talk over people and to make space for people to talk. Because, I, listen, maybe you like to hear me talk, and I appreciate that, but I know that especially on episodes like this, you're not tuning in to hear old Jim Trick talk about jujitsu. If you are, you're crazy. Not really. I mean, I have like stuff to say, but I mean, if you could listen to me talk about jujitsu or Carlos Machado, who would you pick? I would pick Carlos Machado. And let's just talk for a second about the term master, because I know that there's at least a handful of you listening who have a problem with that title. And here's what I want to help you out with. When we when we refer to somebody in jujitsu as master, I am not saying that he is my master. I am not saying that uh, that that um, in the grand scheme of life and soul and me as a man and Carlos Machado as a man. I'm not saying that he is my master. What I am saying is that this this individual is somebody who has done jujitsu so well for so long across a broad spectrum, whether it is competition or teaching or running academies all over the world or contributing to the spreading and advancement of jujitsu. I mean, he's like 63 years old. He's been training since he was four. I think that we can say that this is a guy who has mastered jujitsu, but he also, as you will find in this interview, he's not somebody who would ever walk around and look at you and go, yeah, I've mastered this, you know, so I don't have to stop growing. I was blown away by his humility. I was blown away by his generosity. And having the opportunity to spend time with him was great. And then... After right after we finished recording, my computer died. And it was the one file on my desktop that had not yet been backed up. 
So for the last two weeks, I have been going back and forth to the Apple store dealing with different, different, they call them geniuses at the Apple store. I'm not going to say anything bad about the people who didn't necessarily live up to that, to that title, but I will say Linfield, Massachusetts, Apple store, Oksana, Michael, and the other young lady whose name I, I don't know. You guys rocked it. You found the file. You rescued my computer. But maybe even more importantly to me, I, listen, I can go buy another computer, but I can't go buy another, I can't go buy another hour or so with, with Master Carlos Machado. So without any further ado, I hope that you will enjoy this conversation about life, about jujitsu, about a whole host of things. It's a conversation with Master Carlos Machado. Master Carlos Machado, welcome to the My White Belt Show. Thank you for being here, sir. My honor, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. I I have, you know, pages of notes in front of me and I've got like, you know, things that I things that I I've scribbled and I was I was having a little meeting with my own professor a little while ago and you know, mentioning to him that you were coming on. And the first thing he said, well, make sure you tell him that him being on Walker, Texas Ranger was one of the things that made me aware of jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is kind of awesome, right? Wow. That's Chuck <laughs> Norris's power right there. <laughs> that's the power of the power. No, that's the power of Machado Jiu-Jitsu, right? Um and, you know, um you you captured Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris didn't capture you, you know, in the grand scheme of how of how life works. But the question that my professor this morning, he said, "Well, ask him this. Ask him how he starts his day." We're talking about somebody who is a master of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So let's find, let's start with Master right. Carlos Machado. What's, what, what's your morning like? All right, so uh, people talk nowadays a lot about rituals or morning rituals, right? So I recently adopted a carnivore lifestyle. So I, uh, it's a, Far stretch from the original Gracie diet in which I was raised, and you know, uh, I was a vegetarian for twelve years prior to coming to Texas. And I want to give you here the context of your question. Uh, what what I found out about your time in the morning, it is selfish time. It's time to get grounded. So I go outside with my dog. I sit outdoors, whether the weather is good or bad. I want to see light. I want to feel light. I want to have fresh air in my lungs. And I reminisce about things that I look back in the previous day or days and figure out where I was before the day start and the things that are ahead of me. And I used to meditate a lot. Sometimes I have prayer moments. But this is more about introspection and contemplation. Okay. So I do those things. And uh, then I have to uh, 
go out and slay the dragons like everybody else throughout the the day okay so basically i like to listen to good podcasts when i'm driving uh most of the books i read they are either in kindle audible format and i sync them so i can read when i'm sitting down and i can uh, hear it when i'm driving um I talk to my next to kin uh, a lot of times with my wife. We do have couples time uh, when the weather permits in Texas, where we always spend half an hour on a hot tub, a salt water hot tub that we have in our home. And I have a cold shower, um, you know, a little shower head that I put outside so I can alternate between cold and so I do those things. Most of the time I like to work out weights in the morning. So uh, usually between 7 and 9 or 8 and 10, I like to go to the gym three to four times a week. And this is not for me to prepare for competition or to get big. It's functionality. I wish I knew more about how to take better care of my body. Not that I'm not happy with where I am when I was back in Brazil in the old days. Because I feel if you do jiu-jitsu and you don't do a training, you are doing a disservice to your body just because your joints and your muscles uh, will resent the cumulative wear and tear of jiu-jitsu. Now, I don't replace the mat for the gym. You know, I, I don't believe in switching. You got to spend most of your time in what really matters for you. So I do 100% for functionality and health. With that said, I'm not sure if this is too long of a thing. No, uh, this is great. I just I, I don't want to miss anything. I, I do lists. Uh, and in the past, I was, I'm was i not the most organized person. Uh, and my lists, I can, if I make just a simple list, you know, and put one on top of the other, uh, it's not going to work. Because it stresses me out because I spend the whole day trying to figure out if by the end of the day, I can check, check off everything that's on the list. So I try to pick the top three most important things that I have to do. Those are the ones that I'm going to focus on. And everything else, I can procrastinate or just pass the ball to somebody else. Okay, so with that said, uh, sometimes people spend time reading the news. I do visit alternative media sites. Mainstream media for me doesn't tell me anything. Uh, and then uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a realist. Uh, you just look at the facts and see what's happening and you use your critical thinking. But sometimes it, it, we all need some digging before we make a, an opinion, I guess. So that's it. I, I write down, I see my notes of uh, techniques. Sometimes I have a game plan before I teach classes. I have lesson plans. I have videos and stuff. So there's a, a bit of a, depending where I am, like, uh, like for instance, today I had a couple of private class classes. I, I enjoy teaching private sessions. And uh, just because it's, uh, although I'm giving my students the focus and my attention and my time, the interaction benefits me because as I'm recycling my knowledge and tweaking to make easier for the uh, individual, it's a private time that there's no disruption. I don't have to pay attention to anybody else. So there's a higher degree of concentration on what's happening, awareness, I guess. So a lot of tweaks and advances on my techniques happen not just when I'm practicing and trying to figure things out or learning from other people, but when I'm focusing on a single individual at a time, you know, to build up his or her game. 
I'm not sure if this list is too long, but I'm, I'm no. You're up. this is this is this is great. I I have, I have a follow up, and it's when you are when you're sitting quietly during your introspection time, and you're thinking about you know the days or the weeks that have passed. What is your what is your self talk like? A lot of us live through our lives and maybe we've been through tough stuff in our past or whatever. And we have an internal dialogue that might not be particularly positive. And I wonder if, if yours is positive or if you have to work, if you have to work to get there, what's your, your inner voice like? So I think uh, I compare to onion, an onion, you have all the layers before you get to the core, right? So, Whenever you have negative emotions or you feel hesitant, you know, in doubt, stressed, worried, it's an illusion. It's 100% illusion because you're not focused on what really is to be focused, which is uh, the incredible potential that we have that is untapped. So when people tell you, uh, for instance, uh, if you cannot do something, you're not, not going to spike the guy and say, I'm going to do it because you told me that I cannot do it. Although some people operate in that mode. Uh, and it's, But it relates to somebody else telling you something. The worst type is you telling yourself that you cannot do it. See what I'm saying? When you start believing in it. And then those moments of introspection is like you pull the layers. Okay. I think the most difficult part of uh, the interaction that we have with ourselves in the world is the way you communicate okay and i think for us silence is the way you communicate with ourselves with your own self with your true self mm -hmm. and uh in many instances uh it's not just writing things down i think journaling is good i like to write down my ideas i i think it's uh let the thoughts come through your head and figure out what's worth keeping and what's worth disposing of. And usually the way you get rid of negativity is not by trying to force it. It's by adding positive in your life. You know, and I compare that if you watch Star Wars, when Luke Skywalker fights Darth Vader and he starts to hate his dad. Yeah. He, starts to become, he starts to become dark, you know, or Harry Potter when he was going against Voldemort. Because, you know, there was a negativity or hatred that was kind of encroaching his being. But he started to think, in, in Harry Potter's case, he started to think about the friends that loved him, the parents that loved him. And he started to get all the positive imagery in, them, in, in his mind. And he was able to get away from the evil grip of negativity. Uh, I, I think, though, it's easier said than done in some instances because I think we have... We are like dominoes, you know. So if there's one area in your life that's not well, it can it have the the risk of falling off and toppling everything else. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you're not investing in yourself, and I I mean reading good, consuming good information, growing in certain aspect, whatever applicable knowledge that you can uh, attain. Uh, an activity like jujitsu that it's so enriching. The thing I like about jujitsu is, for myself, you accomplish goals 
on a daily basis. If you improve just one inch in anything that you do, that's a win. You see what I'm saying? And even the times that you feel are in a slump, you are not actually static. There's still evolution taking place. If you pay attention to the small stuff, to the small details, it is a game of details. Uh, with that said, how do I deal? I know one thing, okay? Uh, I have a role and a purpose, okay? So no matter if the world is going to end up tomorrow, I have to fulfill my role and my purpose, okay? And I was talking to some of my uh, black belts a couple of days earlier about this, that whenever you are out there in the world, nobody's to blame for your problems. You know what I'm saying? So they, your students, if you walk into a gym, shouldn't bear the results of bad things happening to you. You know what I'm saying? You have to give your best. So I always tell them, declutter your head. You know, arrive a little earlier. Even if you put some good music in your car before you step into the gym, hydrate yourself. You know, I'm very big, big proponent of electrolytes. You know, a lot of times people have slumps. Although I, I'm having right now the best coffee in town. I'm drinking but, electrolytes uh, right now. Yeah. So you have to add those. You have no idea how much minerals you deplete yourself with on a daily basis. I use a lot of, I've been trying now more recently, just on a side note, using Celtic salt with water. My girlfriend just bought it and yeah. we're adding it. It's Apparently it's packed with minerals and you yeah. only need a pinch. It, it does more for me than any electrolytes that I've ever done. And I can tell you my energy will stay put for the entire day. And I'm not the kind of nap guy. I love taking naps. You do? But I haven't felt the urge to take naps, although I do power naps on occasion. Uh, even at my academy, I arrive earlier than what my work time is. And uh, I stretch for 15 minutes and I just shut it down. I put a little bit of white noise on the background and so be it. You know, you got to listen to yourself. And that's the problem. I feel to answer your question that you had earlier, we have the gut feeling and you have the language of the body and then you have the language of the soul you know mm -hmm. i have this belief that when you have physical problems it doesn't start on the body it comes from somewhere else and you know and i know what's one common thing for people that worry a lot they develop cancer or ulcers you know what i'm saying because all that cumulative cortisol that your blood has to pump in your system to offset the fight or flight you know, mindset that you keep, you know, all your life for things that can be assumptions, can be just uh, what if scenarios. And uh, I associate every issue to nutritional deficiencies as well. Uh, Carlos Gracie Sr., my uncle, he was a dietitian, an herbologist, literally a healer. And uh, he said, there's no disease. You know what I'm saying? There's just deficiency. Uh, Joe Wallach, uh, you know, uh, who I, had happened to hear in the early 90s when I first came to America, he had a famous, uh, at the time, a tape, you know, that you could buy anywhere. Nowadays, you can just use everything, anything from digital format uh, that doctors don't lie. And although although it sounds controversial, it's not untrue that doctors are not known for knowing about nutrition and supplementation. They are really good at technology and medicine and taking care of you if you have to do a surgery and stuff. And I'm not, I'm not against medicine. I'm actually very thankful for the progress that we have. But I believe in preventative medicine. You are your own doctor if you manage your life the way you're supposed to. 
How long have you been carnivore? Well, I started eating meat again after 12 year lapse when I first came to Texas in 1995. It's hard so to I, be a, it's hard to be a vegetarian in Texas. Yeah, they they tell you if you don't eat meat or own a gun and wear boots, you, they kick you out of the state. Do you yeah. own boots? No, I do have boots, but I'm not the cowboy guy. I like, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I like AC and easy way. You know, don't 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 ask me to go camp. I'm not into it. I'm not into horseback riding, although I can do it if need be. I'm I like comfort because I spend most of my time teaching and working out and yeah. you know and just using my brain for for other businesses that I do. So I just want to chill when I'm on yeah. my down. I don't have to do much in order to be happy. When but you say down. when you but when you say carnivore diet, are you what what's your what's a current day of okay. eating look like for you? Okay, so uh, you know, bear with me. I've been traveling. I got a few pounds to shed because you're disciplined. A lot of times, I was not disciplined in some instances. But uh, in 2020, when we had, you know, uh, you know the whole episode with shutdowns and everything, I started to listen to Sean Baker, and uh, was one lecture from Michaela Peterson, Jordan Peterson's daughter, that caught my attention because she had at a very early age replacement of, I think, her hip or her ankle. You know, she had all kind of joint problems, rheumatoid arthritis or something. I don't know exactly what the issue was. And nothing would take care of it until she stumbled with uh, the carnivore diet. And she did have enough time to experiment with it and have medically followed uh, you know, all the benefits that she was able to gather from adopting that lifestyle. So I lost 32 pounds in three months. I, I have to say I was 209 pounds. I went down to 180, 185, I think. I, I guess I was trying to remember exactly what the weight loss was. How tall are you? Huh? How tall are you? Uh, 5'10". Okay. Yeah. So, but anyhow, I uh, I was like, wow. And I had no pain in my body. You know, like the elbows, shoulders, sometimes lower back. It's like, whoa, man, the inflammation went down. Interesting. I was not feeling hungry. I had no cravings, you know, with sweets or anything. Excuse me. So that was it. And then I got into following also Paul Saladino, which has a more flexible approach, you know, because he includes fruits, which I like, you know, and uh, certain fruits, I guess. And, uh, uh, wild honey, you know, local honey, and and then some veggies like squash and zucchini. So it become a bit less, uh, I wouldn't say boring, but limited compared to the steak. But now I'm doing a, more of the Sean Baker, you know, approach, uh, which uh, it's mainly protein-based. Yeah, you know. it changed my life. I mean, basically these days when I'm when I'm doing what feels right for me, I'm eating a lot of grass-fed beef. I'm eating a lot of healthy eggs, avocados, good fat, blueberries, raspberries. Mm -hmm. And um, and then if I take a weekend, you know, we had, we had dinner at a friend's house over the weekend. We ate pasta and, and it's fine. I'll do that every once in a while because I'm going to yeah. live my life. I want to eat pizza every once in a while. But I can notice a profound difference in how my joints feel and how my body feels for days and days and days after. Um, I, I want to, um, and I'm going to look up, I'm going to look up Sean Baker. Um, 
just a check mark next to the fact that you mentioned Jordan Peterson. Do you love Jordan Peterson as much as I do? I appreciate his contribution to the world. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the things that he's doing is amazing journey uh, because he himself has the human aspect of his life right there for everybody to see his struggles. All of it. A couple of years earlier, his wife had the, the cancer scare and he didn't cope well with it. And he himself had to be institutionalized mm -hmm. for time being and stuff. And now, but if you ask him what he does, he does weight training and he does the carnivore diet. You know what I'm saying? He has no depression. You know, he's looks better than any given time I've seen him, you know, and the amount of energy and output that he puts out there when he used to record his lectures while he was a professor at the university out in Canada, you know, uh, it was it was a blessing to see many of those that he put on YouTube and get all those followings. And uh, then now the university program that he's developing out in, you know, in Florida, which will bring down the cost. And he has all these heavyweight uh, teachers and professors of high caliber having the leverage and the freedom to really teach without restraint any of the things they want to share to students who really want to excel and go above and beyond what I believe they could aspire to get in the conventional academia environment. Because uh, we don't want to deal with politics. You know, we want to learn how to attain knowledge and use knowledge to make the world a better place. Yeah. And uh, I think what has been the case is you, you and I don't have to talk about politics, but there's a lot of energy, you know, and, and, and waste being spent on that at the expense of developing the home human potential. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think Jordan Peterson puts that in perspective. He's very articulate. Uh, both of his books, you know, The 12 Rules and Beyond Chaos and Order. You know, he had the map for meeting. I mean, the guy is very thoughtful, you know. And uh, so I think his, he transcends, in my opinion, his I, I role. He's not just uh, somebody that teaches people how to lead a better life. I think he's a catalyst for change in a good way. I know that Jordan Peterson, you know, I know tons of women. My, my girlfriend loves Jordan Peterson. And I know that his audience is primarily masculine. But it's almost like Jordan Peterson's work is sort of like bringing the world back to sanity. Um, and jujitsu and, and, and in bringing the world back to sanity for, for me, and I, and I will literally just speak for myself. I spent most of my life as a very doughy, soft kind of guy. And my listeners know that I got my varsity high school letter in glee club. I, I never played sports. I was fat and, and, you know, I just was you know, lived that particular, particular type of life. And so cultivating a more balanced sense of masculinity, again, just for me, I feel like Jordan Peterson is offering men in particular a road back to our natural state of being. And I think jujitsu for me, again, has brought me to a place where there's nowhere to hide, there's no excuses to be made. You just, you literally show up and you get on the mat 
and you train and you watch what it does for your life. But what I wonder is, someone like me who came to it only five and a half years ago, what can you say about the impact of jujitsu on you? Because you probably, do you have any memory of not training? Very brief moments in, in, my, in my life when I had change of residence. Uh, I went to a small town when I went, went to middle school. There for a couple of months, I couldn't train as much because one of, we, don't, we didn't have any of my cousins with their academies. But then one of my co- co- cousins relocated to the town I was in. And then I started training shortly after that. So there were small lapses. Mm-hmm. But uh, I started when I was four. But I think uh, on my teens years from 12 and up, I, I don't think I had a break other than if I had a vacation trip or something like that. I didn't have much of a break on being involved, you know. And, and I started being a, a junior assistant in uh, the early 80s, in 1982. And ever since, I never stopped teaching. Were you were you confident back then? Did you did you know? Did you have a sense that you were uniquely good as a child? You know, uh, I think there are two answers to that. Um, uh, one is, I knew that you know having access and opportunities to train with my relatives at an early age and seeing how everything evolved, the amount of time I spent on the mat, the lifestyle, the different people came across from different styles that gave us additional tools for us to work with. It's it's kind of like curious because you never question uh, your uh, confidence because you see what you can do. Uh, you might, my rivalry or healthy rivalry was with my siblings and some of my cousins were pierced to me in a good way. We had our battles on the mat. And, of course, you had quite a few great students that would push us. But for me, the, the hard part was the burden of trying to seek the approval of my elders. You know, And at that time, can't understand, many of my cousins were very young as well. Everybody was on the same boat, so to speak. We're just a few years apart from, from one another. So it took a bit of time for maturity to sink in in all of us to develop the ability to mentor others you know and that's the part there was such a gap between our uncles helio gracie and carlos gracie uh senior mm-hmm. that we couldn't get as much of the math wisdom of course late grandmaster helio gracie did give his sons which he had direct contact more of that but i felt like uh, we had to fend for ourselves a little bit in that regard on the mentorship aspect. Mm. So you have, you have moments of hesitation. But like I said, for me, I was always not focused on my growth, but how I could uh, please my instructors, if that makes any sense. It makes total so, sense. Yeah. So, so it made competing very, although I won most of my tournaments, I always felt there was something missing. I never, I felt I was always, I, you know, there was something else I could I could have done to please better my instructor. And then you realize, you know what? You got to do that for a reason bigger than just whoever is surrounding you. You do because you have a purpose or because it's for you. Yeah. It's your journey. You have to make that choice. 
So when I came to the United States, I, I made a decision. I said, you know what? Whatever I do, I'm doing because I really want to do it, not because I'm trying to please anybody else. <laughs> you know. And uh, once I had that shift, then I started to focus on how can I build others to have the same approach. I don't want them to worry about pleasing me. I want them to be fulfilled. You know. Was the culture of jiu-jitsu, uh, for lack of a better term, was the culture of jiu-jitsu, in your experience, meaner than it is in 2023? Uh, you know, tougher, meaner, not angry, but, you know, I guess maybe maybe a little angry. Was that at your experience? Not not at our academies. Uh, we always have a, had a, a technical approach, a technique based approach. We wanted to go at each other, but we wanted to help each other out. So there's no holding back from sharing and building each other up. Even if it meant your training partner would just give you more hell on the next session. There was a, there was a degree of camaraderie, you know. And my motto since I came to America has been leave your ego at the door. More recently, because I take longevity in consideration, I I switched to uh, train smart, stay humble. Mm. So that's my motto, you know. So training smart means you have to preserve yourself and your training partner, so you can keep coming consistently back to to the place you know you want to be, which is on the mat. And in so doing, be humble to know that every time you're gonna have to put to test your skills. And and learn more and evolve, you know, because what doesn't evolve stagnates. What stagnates dies out. Mm. And I think anybody who quits jujitsu is not because they don't like jujitsu, because they feel the stagnation led them to it. And sometimes it could be uh, several factors, but I think the main one is lack of perspective, in my opinion. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So. Um, there are three ways you get better, okay? Others tell you what to do. Others help you do. And you figure out as you're doing how to make it better. And then somebody else will see what you're doing and say, add this on. So it's a constant evolving. Skill building is based on thresholds. If you have a training partner that you roll with every class, even if you don't share anything, with your training partner, he or she will develop the skills to figure out, oh, he's going for the jumping triangle. That's his ace move, right? So they start to be kind of read you before you do it. So they normally would become, uh, due to familiarity, uh, more able to hold on and hold their ground against you the more you roll with them. But the nice thing about skill building is you say, I don't want to complete a technique. I just want to start a technique. I don't want to finish a technique. I just want to see how far I can get on a technique. And then once you hit those two levels, okay, let me reverse engineer this thing here. I already know that I'm almost at the point that I can do it. Let me start now on the last stretch. So you start towards the end, and then you focus all your energy developing, you know, and the way you drill, and that's the other part, and I'm going to share that with you because I feel your listeners would enjoy this. You and I know static drill, meaning the drill that 
somebody shows you something and you apply that drill against a, a non-resisting partner, uh, it gives you motor skills and that's the end of it. It doesn't give you ability. It doesn't connect your nervous systems to your muscles. That's why a lot of times you have gaps between doing a drill and then being able to implement a technique when you spar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So unless you build a threshold, meaning, uh, and I have a rule here, easy, not so easy, not easy at all. So if I do a drill with you, I'll do just a few reps. You let me do it. Second time, say, make sure, don't make so easy. You know, fight back until I almost fail. And then I said, please make me fail. Mm. And then when I fail, guess what I do? I go back to the easy, then to the not so easy, then to the not easy at all. And I keep navigating, fluctuating between those three levels of drilling which is the dynamic kind of drill, okay? Then you get people of different body sizes. I'm going to do with a skinny, light person. I'm going to do with a skinny, tall person. Now I'm going to do with a stocky, short person. Now I'm going to do with a stocky, 6'2", you know, foe. So you start to figure out the symmetry of techniques, depending on what body type. And you're going to figure out that in some instances, the same way you apply a technique. In principle, they're all the same. You know, no matter who you go against, the principle of a technique. But the adjustments have to be based upon the particular aspects of each of the individuals you're going against. So you want to sweep a heavy guy? I say, I'm dragging get the guy's back. It's a lot easier, a lot less stressful than mm-hmm. trying to move a mountain. But if you do want to move a mountain, let's see if we can focus on angles and control so they don't smash past you before you even try a sweep okay so you have all those uh nuances that has to do with strategy as well okay like i was doing the the scissor sweep today i said anybody bigger than me i don't put my knee on the guy's uh waist and try to chop their legs i put the knee on the uh rib or armpit and i try to shove the knee on the far side i want to take the giant down I want to, it's a three-legged, you know, monster. I'll take one leg out. He's going to tilt. So yeah, it's easier said than done, but just to kind of give you a perspective, there is nothing that cannot be done if you have mechanics with angles and pressure. Without pressure, nothing can happen. You know what I'm saying? Without when pressure, you, yeah. So just, so just to talk about, just to talk about angles, angles for a second, and this might be a little too generic of a question, but often my professor, because we have some giants at our academy, mm-hmm. and often our professor will talk about moving, move yourself around your opponent rather than trying to move your opponent sometimes. So when you're talking about angles, particularly when it comes to rolling with a with a giant, are you, and I think you just kind of said it, you talked about going to the person's back rather than trying to pull them on top of you kind of kind of thing. Are you, in your own personal game, given that you are a master of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which how cool is that? I mean, can you, can you even believe the way your life has gone? Isn't it incredible? I, I pinch myself every every day. Yeah, it's just got to be. I mean, I'm I'm five and a half years in. I'm catching up to my purple belt, and you are a red and white. You're, you're 
I mean, how many of you even exist in the world throughout history? You will get your red belt. And that's got to be, sorry, I'm going off on a rabbit trail because I just, I just, I have the, I have moments. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I have, I, I have moments every once in a while during a conversation like this where you and I have been talking for, you know, half hour, 40 minutes or so. And for me, it's like fast, a fast friend. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, like I know you and that I've. But you, you do. You do. We have a common history. We have a, a report that right. it's, it makes us brothers. I love that. And I feel it. And I'm sitting here having this conversation with you. And then all of a sudden the light goes on and it's like, dude, you're sitting here talking to Master Carlos Machado about jiu-jitsu. Like, what is going on here? So anyhow, I just totally got off track. Um, mechanics, angles, angles and pressure. So for you, in your own game, would you say that you historically have been more concerned with moving yourself around your training partner or moving your training partner? It's a combination of the two. Yeah. Okay. So um, one thing, the way I look at things, the way you start is, uh, how would I say, grips, blocks, and then connection. Okay, you grab with your hands, you block with your legs, and then you connect your body. Let's say your knee glues to the guy's uh, body. That's a potential for a reversal, for a sweep. You have butterfly hooks, and then you grab his arm and glue his arm to your body. That's potential when you're at the angle for you to take the guy with you. i give you an example. People, a lot of times when they do hook flips, they worry about pulling the hip, which is a strong part of the body and usually gives you that ability if you can take it. But if you can... Uh, deflect or move your opponent's head what's one rule of thumb where the head goes the body what follows follows right uh the other thing too on reversals uh shoulders are a very neglected part okay what i try to do is i try to keep one shoulder behind the other like let's say if i have a, a reversal on you and i'm sweeping you to my left side, okay? If your right shoulder, which matches the direction I'm going, your right side, is above your left, you're looking to the direction I'm going to take you down so you can post your leg. There's there's an angle battle right there. I see. So in, order to, in order for me to actually get the angle, I have to make your left shoulder be rotated and be above your right. Because when your right shoulder is in front of uh, your left, your left is behind if you're upright, your body's already kind of rotated. And then, you know, it's much easier for your body to... to... So instead of chopping a person with a sweep, a scissor sweep, I rotate their body first at shoulder level. Then I try to chop them because they are not flat facing me. They're kind of almost like sideways. Now, some people accomplish that by moving around them. So they get the angle by moving around. But I do a combination of the two, okay? If you want to pull somebody to you, instead of just grabbing the guy and pulling the guy straight to you, grab the guy and turn your body as you pull. If you do that, it seems like you are five times stronger, you know? Isn't that and funny? Really just watching you do that, it 
it clicked and made yeah. sense. Yeah. So, so here I'm just pulling to me. Now I'm turning my body as I'm pulling to me. So it's a complete different power. As right? it relates to the pressure, my uh, my professor, it's so it's 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 great. It's great when I mean, obviously, I love my academy and I love my I love my professor. But when when I hear someone like you, and it and it sounds almost like you're echoing my professor it it feels good to know that I, you know feels like i'm in the right place with the right people but he's had us now often maybe even more often than not during a typical typical class before we even get into rolling he will have us pressure test techniques doing 2 minute rounds 2 minute positional rounds one person on top and mount one person on the bottom one person in the guard one person on top and just Two minutes work 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 to get out work to maintain the position, and with the idea that like you're saying, if you if you can't test it under pressure, then it's not going to probably work in real life or or competition. And but it's different from a free roll. Would you agree? Yeah, you talk about tactical training. Uh, so basically. You set the rules up front. It's not a free a free flow or just rolling. Okay, we're going to start here. I'm going to pass your guard, and you try to sweep me and keep me from passing. If I pass your guard, then I go back and start passing again. So we try to just focus on whichever the aspect is that either of us uh, want to focus on. And then we switch roles at a point in time so we can both work from both perspectives. And then whenever the instructor goes teach the class, he will fine tune one aspect or two of if that is the technique uh, or the aspect of jujitsu that a guard pass game or a guard sweep game, whatever it is that needs to be developed, uh, it serves well for you to do that. But the other thing is, uh, interestingly enough, you can also do, you teach the, the instruction, the techniques, you do the dynamic drilling with the easy, not so easy, not easy at all. And you keep alternating in all those three uh, levels of intensity and then when you have the guys going to train you give them the rules of engagement all right guys you cannot finish from any other position other than the top mount so for the entire time and once you get the top mount you cannot start the submission until you hold for at least 10 seconds you know so you kind of give them the rules and then whatever they are doing they know where they're aiming at okay and you can be more limiting like when you do the apocalypse what i call yeah everybody's tired and nobody has anything else to give okay guys everybody now starts one on the back and the other one tries to get out the back one on the top mount the other one tries to get out so you do the ebi tiebreaker approach you can put yeah. them in that spots and they have to work their way out if they can out of those or if not see how long they last before they tap so uh so you have those different situations and scenarios they, they all serve a purpose and i think they help you build your skill level if nothing else your grit <laughs> per se you know do most of your friends train do you have any friends or people that are close in your life that don't train i would say 90 percent of my relationships are people that train yeah 10 percent are usually very small yeah yeah it's really the thing about jiu-jitsu is a social uh, how that puts a social magnet and, and a, a, 
a gigantic community yeah. uh, of of souls. Like you, 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 and you can attest to that. Like how many times, if you have a problem, you call a teammate before you call a relative. Right? All the time, all the right. time, a hundred percent of the time. So the reason for that is, you know, we may have when you look at society differences of any kind, religion. Uh, gender, political parties, whatever, right? Who cares about that when you're on the match? Who cares? Do I care who you voted last election? I don't give a damn. I just want you to get better at your jiu-jitsu. If you go to a mosque or to an Orthodox Christian church, I don't care. Oh, ha- Good for you. Good Here for right you. now, let's get good. Let's get better. Help each other out. And at the end of the day, that feeling that is developed on the mat is genuine and very truthful. Because if people, they're there for you from the start. Like I said, if you need help on the mat, you don't think just your instructor is there to help you. The entire class is going to help you out if the coach is right. Okay. Part of, no, keep going. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I was going to. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying with that is the development of that trust and that comfort level that you have to share mat time and then lifetime with uh, people. And then once you have odd times, you want those people around you because. They're part of the pillar, you know, not crutches. You know, jiu-jitsu is a pillar. It can become a crutch in the beginning because you don't have it long enough to develop, to truly tap into its powers. But once you are a veteran and you've been there for, you know, even in your case, for a little over five years, it is a pillar. It's something that you gain strength from. And everybody in the, on the mat that you see and know, they're intrinsic part of your lives, you know, if you ever need them you know this is you you earlier in the conversation you said that you have a role and a responsibility and and i feel like i'm cultivating a role and a responsibility and that is to be the person who says to the world if i can do this you can do this and if you will do this it will it will unquestionably change your life and i watch i watch the people who have come in as white belts in the last couple of years who are now getting their blue belts. And I have watched all kinds of people get all kinds of benefits from training, but maybe the most important benefit that they've gotten is that they belong. Mm -hmm. They belong. They belong to a community of people. And you think, you know, walking into people watch UFC or they think about, you know, all these different things that they've seen or martial arts and and what they think that culture might be like. And they just literally can't imagine, even by some, some cases at the end of their trial class, they can't believe how kind people are. And it. And you're, I mean, you're an example. You have gone as far in jujitsu as one can go. And I reach out to you and you're like, sure, I'll have a conversation with you. And you come in and you're kind and and I deeply appreciate it. And I work this this time together has literally flown by. And I, I don't wanna I don't wanna abuse your good nature and and take too much of your time. Can I ask you like one or two other questions that are ask more than two? Go ahead. Okay. All right. I just don't wanna, you know, out of out of respect okay. for your schedule. But um so for you, for the person, for the person who 
thinks they think that they're too old or too fat or too this or too that to train. And they've wanted to do a trial class because for one reason or another, they are they're interested, but they're like held back to start. What is available for the person who tries and falls in love with jujitsu? Okay, so let me go, go in steps here, okay? Uh, this past Monday, I was at my academy and I had uh, uh, six new individuals that came along for the very first time, okay? And I make a point whenever I am there that I'll be in charge of those. I mean, I could choose just to teach the black belts and everybody else. No, no, no. I just want to be present right here, right now, because that's the first opportunity for us to share time on the mat. And I want to make sure they remember, okay? So I started my my purpose and my, my intent in that opportunity. You know what the whole thing was? And you kind of worded that out. I want to make sure that by the end of the class, they knew without any doubt that they could do it. 100%. And I had a couple of athletic guys, a heavy set, you know, lady, uh, athletic, female, but they're all there, different spectrums or ranges, but zero experience. So I un unraveled the jujitsu. Uh, Dictionary. There are three situations on top, three at the bottom. That you're going to have to, anything that you do on top, there's an equivalent at the bottom. The guy on top wants to stay or wants to keep. The guy at the bottom wants to control, wants to get out. And then it goes from there, right? So I gave them literally like, uh, it's like you, you have a, a picture dictionary. I would show the position, then show what you got to do. And I'm not trying to, to kind of waste time explaining the way things were because different instructors have awesome ways in which they deliver the curriculums or everything. I'm not trying to teach anybody how to do my way. But it doesn't matter what you do. The language has to be simple, and the intent has to be, no matter what you're doing, they have to feel at the end of the class that they believe in themselves that they can do that without a question okay and guess what at the end of the class all i asked was what was your takeaway if there is one thing i talk about jujitsu strategy what are the strategies of jujitsu yeah number one, number one survival don't die don't die number two get even you know, you got to equalize the difference. Somebody's bigger than you, that doesn't mean that that person is going to get you. You're going to have to use techniques to equalize the differences. Thirdly, capitalize. Seize the opportunities. Once you can survive and you can equalize, let's capitalize. See what I'm saying? So we kind of worked that little, you know, uh, aspect of the strategy. They had a bit of a sweat, not much, you know, that they would risk doing something that would hurt themselves. Then I send it to my son who runs the management of the school. And he's the one that sits down and tells what they need to do in order to enroll, how much it is, what you do. Guess what happened when they left? They never asked how much it cost. No. Never. 
they yeah. said, what do I need to do to do this? Yes. I, I felt I can do it. See what I'm saying? The monetary, I don't care if you charge a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. If you, if you fulfill that, if you can give somebody the belief that they can do, the value makes the decision clear. Yeah. They will, they will walk into the office saying, I want to do this. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how much would you be willing to pay for something that gives you friends and fitness and protection and an opportunity to compete and a lifestyle. And so, it, I mean, you can't put a price on it. And I know it sounds like I'm selling it, but I mean. I understand. But Jim, look that into a different context. See what I'm saying? All those other benefits, the cool thing about that is they all will come. Yes. You know, the first one, they don't have yet the maturity or the vision to even foresee that far. I know. All, all that. The spell they're under now is, I can do this thing. The the lady that right That's there, it. that was a little bit heavy set, she's actually the one that did the best of all the group. So I said, you you are, and I told her, you are natural, you know. Wow. And then of course, I introduced him to the entire class. We had over fifty people on the mat when they showed up, and everybody shook their hands. The camaraderie. I want to make sure they know that. They don't have to fight in order to belong. That mm. everybody already has open arms to invite them to come in. See what I'm saying? So that aspect is critical as well. And the thing is, I always compare to windows. We all have a window of opportunity when somebody becomes a member at your academy. Because mm. if there's one thing for sure, life happens to all of us. And in many instances, people, they quit uh, for reasons that are other than them not willing to go on they lose a job they get sick family relative has a problem they relocate you know they go to college whatever the reasons might be but if you do your job during the window if you have three months five months 10 months 18 months whatever that is and you get the job done into giving them the uh, the confidence to feel that they can do what you're sharing with them at the first opportunity when their life gets back on track, they're going to come back. Or let's say they get old and they don't even come back. If they have kids, guess what? They're going to bring their kids back. So you already caused without knowing a shockwave into the future. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's uh, So it's beautiful to see that. And actually, this is one of the reasons that motivates me to teach the most. Is to know the shock waves that are going to take place in people's lives. I have to tell you that I assumed that you only taught black belts now. No. I made that assumption. I had it in my mind that I you spent only... quite some time with them, but I enjoy teaching the beginners because they are like children. You know, they they have to be nurtured in the right way. You know. What do you think of the Emergence of no gi jujitsu and the um, focus on the game, I love all it. of it. I love every part of it. It's evolution. You know leg saying? locks, leg locks for white belts. Yeah, I do straight, straight leg locks uh, because they offer less risk. Okay, uh, ankles and uh, knee bars, but I don't do twisting like heels yet. Yeah, yeah. Till they get a better understanding. 
know? yeah we, we heel hooks at our academy is by by invitation only yeah this has been uh what a just what an absolute what an absolute honor and joy getting to have this time with you i can't um I don't think that I'll be able to accurately communicate how grateful I am without sounding like a seven-year-old, but and I would just go, and if you'll indulge me, I, I will just go a step further to say, you know, you and I communicated a little bit leading up to this episode and you know, you know, some of my story and I know that jujitsu in the United States doesn't unfold the way it does without you and without your family. And so I feel like I, I owe you a, a, a deep, a deep debt of gratitude. This, this beautiful martial art over the last five and a half years has changed my life. It has, um, I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would not put, I would not put jujitsu on the same level as as my faith. My faith is is deep and important and central to me, um, and my faith will be there for me. It was there for me before jujitsu. It will be there for me when I'm old, too old to do jujitsu. But I can say that um, apart from apart from making a commitment to to my faith, uh, apart from a commitment to Christ, the um, the practice, this practice of jujitsu has been the most profound, most profoundly positive decision that I've ever made in my life. And I'm I'm grateful to I'm grateful to Machados, I'm grateful to Gracie's, I'm grateful to I'm grateful to, you know, to to to, to all of you who have gone before. Thank you, sir. It's uh that's the reason we do what we do. So we can have many stories like yours. In which jujitsu, which you do believe, I do believe, you significantly improve the lives of those who adopt it, because uh, it goes. I have a, re, a, a belief on and off the mats. Jujitsu doesn't stay on the mat; it follows you wherever you go. It's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. You know, it's a pillar. So, and and, and I'm glad you're a part of it, and that you enjoy the benefits of it and like i said it's a journey so you're doing your part to spread uh your uh, podcast to educate some of those who may have different stages in their journey or haven't even started on this journey and if i could tell anything to any of the listeners is a lot of times we delay starting it because we think oh i have to get in shape or i have to get this fixed i have to have a perfect situation in order to do it uh, the, the problem with that is I call missed opportunities. You know, jujitsu is such an amazing uh, addition to anybody's life that I don't care whether you're in shape or not, whether you're doing a bill or not. The minute you step on the mat, what it's, it's, it's the domino effect is going to affect everything else in a positive manner because you're going to be a, become a better person and also meet quite a few individuals that otherwise you never would have had a chance to establish a relationship. People that truly care about you and that can be friends to a level that you may not even know exists. That happened today between you and I. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right, my man. Um, thank you so much. Sir, it was a pleasure again. Thank you for the opportunity. Keep it up, man. Your inspiration.
I love it. It's it's changed everything and it's continuing to. So thank you for sharing with me your story. It was unbelievable. Ba- thanks be- for saying yes before you knew my story. It means a lot. Uh, no, no worries. Cheers. All right. Have a wonderful afternoon, Jim. It was a pleasure talking to you. When you talk to Chuck, tell him I said hey. I will. See you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Okay. So that was a conversation with Master Carlos Machado. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you got a lot out of it. And I I loved it. And I'm going to put all of his information in the show notes, all the links to the different things that he has going on, his academies, his book. And there's just, there's so much to look up on this guy and so many different ways to support him. So do that. Also sign up for my, for my White Belt Wednesdays. That's coming back. And until next week, train hard and train smart.